Chapter 40 Cowards die many times before their deaths. Shakespeare, Julius Caesar, Act 2, Scene 2 I was always aware of a conflict between Belbo's devotion in working with his respectable Garamond authors, his efforts to get from them books he would be proud of, and the piratical zeal with which he contributed to the swindling of the hapless Minutius authors, even referring to via Marchese Gualdi those he considered unsuitable for Garamond, as I had seen him attempt to do with Colonel Ardenti. Working with Belbo, I often wondered why he accepted this arrangement. I don't think it was the money. He knew his trade well enough to find a better-paying position. For a long time I thought he did it because it enabled him to pursue his study of human folly from an ideal observation point. As he never tired of pointing out, he was fascinated by what he called stupidity, the impregnable paralogism, the insidious delirium hidden behind the impeccable argument. But that, too, was a mask. It was Dio Talevi who did it for fun, or perhaps hoping that a minutious book might someday offer an unprecedented combination of the Torah. And I, too, participated for the amusement, the irony, out of curiosity, especially after Garamond launched Project Hermes. For Belbo it was a different story. This became clear to me after I went into his files. File name, Vendetta She simply arrives. Even if there are people in the office, she grabs me by my lapels, thrusts her face forward, and kisses me. How does that song go? Anna stands on tiptoe to kiss me. She kisses me as if she were playing pinball. She knows it embarrasses me, puts me on the spot. She never lies. I love you, she says. See you Sunday? No, I'm spending the weekend with a friend. A girlfriend, naturally. No, a man friend, you know him. He was the one who was at the bar with me last week, I promised. You wouldn't want me to break my promise. Don't break your promise, but don't come here to make me... Please, I have an author coming in. A genius to launch? A poor bastard to destroy. A poor bastard to destroy. I went to pick you up at Pilades. You weren't there. I waited a long time, then I went by myself. Otherwise the gallery would have been closed. Somebody there told me you had all gone on to the restaurant. I pretended to look at the pictures, though they tell me art's been dead since Herdelin. It took me twenty minutes to find the restaurant because dealers always pick ones that are going to become famous next month. You were there among the usual faces, and beside you was the man with the scar. You weren't the least embarrassed. You looked at me with complicity, and—how do you manage both at the same time—defiance, as if to say, so what? The intruder with the scar looked me up and down, as if I, not he, were the intruder. The others, in on the story, waited. I should have found an excuse to pick a fight. I'd have come out of it well, even if he hit me. Everybody knew you were there with him to provoke me. My role was assigned. One way or the other I was to put on a show. Since there had to be a show, I chose drawing-room comedy. I joined the conversation, amiable, hoping someone would admire my control. The only one who admired me was me. You're a coward when you feel you're a coward. The Masked Avenger As Clark Kent, I take care of misunderstood young geniuses. As Superman, I punish justly misunderstood old geniuses. I collaborate in the exploitation of those who, lacking my courage, have been unable to confine themselves to the role of spectator. Is this possible, to spend a life punishing people who will never know they have been punished? 
So you wanted to be a homer, eh? Take that, wretch, and that. I hate anyone who tries to see me as an illusion of passion.